Well, are we ready this morning? All right. Well, you know, I'm scared to death when I got to speak the word of the Lord. It's a, it's a fearful thing to speak about the things of God. Amen? That he uses earthen vessels to proclaim his word. And this morning, as the title, yeah, hopefully you see the title behind you, it says The Rise and Fall of Solomon. And today I'll be talking about distractions of life. How many has ever seen Sesame when you're a child? Okay, there's five of you. Everybody else see more Sesame, okay? Now, if you remember how that worked, every about 5, 10, 15 seconds, you know, he's running, he's swimming, he's flying, right? It was always contingent because the attention span of a child is short, so they try to keep their focus. And so this morning, hopefully, as we speak about the rise and fall of Solomon, uh, hopefully we're not going to get distracted, but statistically... It says, I read this, this is kind of strange, that we have an attention span of about eight seconds. Statistically, okay, if it's one years old to whatever. I don't know how they figured this out either. A goldfish has nine seconds. I don't know how they figured they put a little worm in front of him or something. I have no idea, but a goldfish has more attention span than we do. But hallelujah, the Lord is here that we can be attentive. Amen? So I'm going to start this morning by saying this. I like to look at the end of a thing from, from the beginning. I like to look at the end of a thing from the beginning. Now, I read in this book, I like the way it ends. So then I start all over again. I kept reading, kept reading. I like reruns, too. And we continuously reread this continuously, 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 because it's everlasting, his word. Never changing, and there's always more there. So sometimes, you know, if I don't like the end of a story... I really don't, I don't want to waste an hour watching a story. How many agree with me? Sometimes you watch a story for an hour, and it's like, I shouldn't have even watched it, right? But once you know the end of a, of a thing, I enjoy watching it. I watch it two or three times, because by the third time, I really start understanding what the story is all about. How many of that's to be true? Hey, you're here today. Love this guy. All right. I've been trying to talk to him, me and Pastor Mario, for I don't know how long. Right, Pastor Mario? All right, he's here today. Well, thank you for being here. Hallelujah. So I like to look at the end of a thing from the beginning. So today we're going to try to keep our eyes on the prize, and the prize is Jesus. We need to keep our eyes on him. He is our great reward, and to keep our eyes on him. So I'm going to, let's, let's stand up one more. We're going to pray, and we're going to read the word for today. Okay, Amen. Let us pray and stand up for reading the word. How many know the word is Jesus? So when this word is read, it is Jesus himself speaking to us. Father, we're so thankful today. Are your precious word, Jesus, that you will present yourself to, to, your, to your people today, to me this morning. Let your holiness prick our hearts this morning that we may see the fear of your holiness that you would destroy the works of the devil within our own hearts. That we're not going to be distracted today, that you're going to come in with your holiness and burn that stuff off. And number two, Lord, that then I know your love will comfort us, your love that strengthens us, the cross, we love your cross this morning. We're attracted to that cross this morning. We love you, Jesus, more than anything. Lord, take out the root of sin 
that we don't want to deal just with the, some of the symptoms. God, but we want to deal to the root of the problem. And we thank you, Lord, that this is what you're going to be doing in this service this morning. And this is the command of the Lord in Deuteronomy 17, 14 through 20. When you enter the land which the Lord your God gives you and you possess it and live in it, and you say, I will set a king over me like all the nations who are around me, you shall surely set a king over you whom the Lord your God chooses, one from among your countrymen. You shall set as a king over yourselves. Moreover, he shall not multiply horses for himself, nor shall he cause the people to return to Egypt to multiply horses, since the Lord has said to you, you shall never again return that way. He shall not multiply wives for himself, or else his heart will turn away, nor shall he greatly increase silver or gold for himself. Now it shall come about when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, he shall write for himself a copy of this law of the scroll in the presence of the Levitical priest. It shall be with him, and he shall read it all the days of his life that he may learn to fear the Lord his God. Be careful all the words of this law and these statues that his word may not be lifted up above his countryman and that he may not turn aside from the commandment to the right or to the left so that he and his sons may continue long in his kingdom in the midst of Israel. Now we're going to move to the New Testament in Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witness surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set he endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of God. Amen? So sit down, and we're going to do what? We're going to run to win. How many want to run to win? Okay, I'm glad there's five of you, but I want to run to win. I'm not to run to lose or get disqualified. We're going to stay in the race that God has called us. It's not about the guy in front of us, not the guy behind us, not the guy inside of us. It is about Jesus and finish the race that God has given us. Amen. We got three people here all excited this morning. Don't worry about the guy in front of you or the guy behind you. Jesus is what counts as to finish the race. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Set your mind on things above. Focus. It's a deliberate act on your part to do so. How many of things don't happen? You guys are quiet here. Things don't just happen. We to, to set our minds. It means, you know, when I, when I wake up, I need to set the alarm clock. It doesn't set by itself. How many know that's to be true? So we need to set our minds on things above and not on earthly things that we look to him. It's a deliberate act on our part to do so. Beware of pitfalls called distraction. What separate us from the main attraction? Jesus is our attraction. Our eyes are meant to see the beauty of the Lord. How many of your eyes want to look at beautiful things? 
I had this beauty in 1970. Boy, I'm telling you, she was beautiful. Boy, nice and polished and everything. It was my Boss 302 Mustang. Ah, what'd you have in mind? Did I distract you there? Amen. Our eyes are meant to see the beauty of the Lord. Distraction is anything that pulls our attention away from God. It comes in many forms. Let the Holy Spirit today speak to you today. Only he can show you those deep things of sin and what really sin does to us. I mean, God loves us. But if we don't see his holiness that destroys that sin, love won't do it. I mean, let's be true. There's only four of you. The holiness of God, in the presence of God, you fall dead. But then he embraces you. The front of the cross, you see this body totally muliated. But behind the cross, there's the love of God to grab you and to love you once sin is dealt with. So let's look at the history of Solomon. Let's look at the highlights of his life to see his rise and fall of his life and how he got distracted. And we'll start at his birth. So I'm going to be doing, doing a lot of reading of the word. Okay? I do a lot of reading because who can explain himself better than himself? I mean, really think about it. Right? So I'm going to do hopefully a little less talking, and maybe we hear more of him talking. That would be a little bit better. How many would like that? Okay, all right. There's few of us happy about that. I am too, because I want to hear him too. I'm tired of hearing my own voice in my head, okay? So we're going to start at his birth. First Samuel, no, I'm sorry, in 2 Samuel 12, verse 24 to 25. After the loss of their first child, David and Bathsheba, it says that David comforted his wife Bathsheba and went in her and lay with her, and she gave birth to a son, and he named him Solomon, which means peace. Now the Lord loved him. Who loved him? The Lord loved him. Okay. Loved him and sent word through Nathan the prophet, and he named him Jedediah. Jedediah, which means beloved of the Lord. The first Jedi. Oh, okay, you got distracted. Okay, the first Jedi, Jedediah. But the Lord says, I love this boy. Now, I want to take a little stop here because the heart of the father, how much he loves Solomon, how much he loves us and cares for us, even knowing that what's going to happen at the end. Does God know the end of a thing from the beginning? He does, but he loves Solomon. He loves them a lot. And sometimes when we start seeing the love that God has for us, it breaks my heart, but it really breaks the heart of God of all the distraction that takes us away from him. The Father loves us. Otherwise, he wouldn't send his son to us. Amen? Now to his calling. First Chronicles 28, 6 to 7, 9 and 10. He said to me, your son Solomon is the one who shall build my house and my courts, for I have chosen him to be a son to me, and I will be a father to him. What a relationship. This is, this is God the Father saying this. It says the same thing about us. When we receive Christ in our heart, we, we become a child of God. We say, our Father who art in heaven. He's our father. There's a relationship. He's not just an idea. He's a person. How many know what I'm talking about this morning? You know, sometimes people 
they get married because they, they like the idea of marriage. But then they meet the person. Oh, you guys all shaking your head. Now you know what I'm talking about, right? We like the idea of Christ, but sometimes when we meet the person, we're like, oh, my gosh, I didn't know it was like this. Come on, let me know what I'm talking about here. I, I fall prey to that, okay? And it says, I will establish his kingdom forever. He is resolutely performance my commandments and my ordinance as, as is done now. So David speaks to his son. As for you, my son Solomon, no. As for you, my son Solomon, and you put your name there, my son Tony, David, Sam, Tom, Harry, put your... And for you, my son, know the God of your father and serve him with a whole heart and a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands every intent and the thoughts. If you seek him, he will let you find him. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. Consider now, for the Lord has chosen you to build a house for the sanctuary. Be courageous and act. We need to do this on a daily basis. It takes courage to act to do the will of God. How many know it takes courage to act? Sometimes we ask for God for wisdom, then he tells us what to do, but then sometimes we don't have the courage to do it. So we need courage to do the will of the Lord. God then appears to him twice in a dream. This is amazing. First in First Kings and Second Chronicles. First at Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in the dream and said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Wow. He must have really loved his son to ask, you know, to ask that kind of question. And this is what Solomon asked for, wisdom and understanding to rule God's people. And God was so happy that he didn't ask for millions of dollars, long life, and all this other stuff. He said, yes, and added wealth and honor to him. This is the love of God. The second time when Solomon had finished the building of the house of the Lord, the king's house, and all Solomon desired, which he was pleased to do, the Lord appeared to Solomon a second time again. As he appeared unto him again at Gibeon and answered his prayer for to bless the house of God, God did it with conditions that if Solomon obeyed God and not worship any other gods, he would then establish the throne of his kingdom upon Israel forever, as I promised to David thy father. If not, God would destroy that house and unfortunately, this is what happens later on. His greatest accomplishment was that, that he built the house of the Lord at the, at the dedication of the Temple of Solomon, prayed to the Lord to bless it, and as I said before, he answered the prayer with conditions. And this is part of the condition. If they sinned, they would have to do this, and it is found in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, and 15. My people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sins, and will hear their land. Now my eyes will be open. The Lord's eyes will be open and be attentive to the prayer offered in this place. How many know that God resides in us, that we're the temple of the Holy Spirit? 
And when we do something wrong, we go before the Lord, humbly, he said, go before the Lord, confess it, and he'll turn and hear you, and he will heal you. King Solomon's fame, wealth, and his accomplishments preceded him that he got a visit from a queen of the south, as Jesus says in the book of Matthew, the queen of the south. Who could this, who could this lady be? How many know who the queen of the south Jesus meant? It? Who is it? Queen of Sheba. How many heard of Queen of Sheba? Okay, so Queen of Sheba comes in 1 Kings 10. She came 1,500 miles away to see Solomon. If you want to put that in a little bit of perspective, it's probably here to Maine, roughly, okay? Imagine on camels, not even in a car, on camels and walking, to seek this wisdom that he has, Solomon, to seek his wisdom. So in other words, we can say that, that we need to be good Bereans to seek him wholeheartedly, everything that we have, every, all the strength that we have to seek God and what he has to give to us. When she came to Solomon, I'm going to read this. When she came to Solomon, she spoke with him about all that was in her heart. Solomon answered all her questions. Nothing was hidden from the king which he did not explain to her. When the queen of Sheba perceived all the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he had built, the food of his table, spaghetti marinari and shrimp. No, no, no this is not. The seating of his servants, the attendance of his waiters, and their attire, his cupbearers. Man, this guy, he knew hospitality. How many know this to be true? to be hospitable, and his cupbearers, and the stairway by which he went up to the house of the Lord. There was no more spirit in her. It took her breath away when she, it was even more than she expected. Then she said to the king, it is, was true the report which I heard in my own land about your words and your wisdom. Nevertheless, I do not believe the reports until I came and my eyes have seen it. How many know you have to come to yourself to believe what God, what God is all about? Amen? Maybe somebody can bring you there, but it's up to you to read this word of God and to search it out. And behold, the half was not told. You exceed in wisdom, prosperity, the report which I heard. How blessed are your men. How blessed are these, your servants, who stand before you continually to hear your wisdom. When you speak the word of the God to a lost world, how many know that they're listening? How beautiful it is that people listen to because you have something beautiful to tell people. 1 Kings 10, verse 9. Blessed be the Lord. Now, this is how she responds to this. Blessed be the Lord your God who, who delighted in you to set you on the throne of Israel because the Lord loved Israel forever. Therefore, he made you king to do justice and righteousness Queen of Sheba knew worldly wisdom, but not godly wisdom. This is why she was so impressed. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 20 and 21. Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Was not God made foolish, the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God. 
God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. We have a mandate from God, from the wisdom of God, to preach and to proclaim his word. But he did not rule with justice and righteousness. What did Solomon do? But he continued to increase in his wealth and fame and lost sight of the Lord. His, his people being exploited by taxation, making alliances with foreign countries, he becomes a diplomat, a politician, instead of a godly man and not the servant of the Most High God. Here's a few little tidbits. He had 40,000 stalls for horses. 40,000 stalls. How many horses? Maybe 30,000, 40,000 horses he had, right? And guess where he got them from? Egypt. Remember we read at the beginning he shouldn't have gone back to Egypt and have horses. They brought to him 25,000 Tons of gold every year. And guess what the, how many talents that was? Six, six, six. 666 talents a year of gold that they brought to him. Brought to him. Now, I don't know if you want to look into this 666. Is the man of lawlessness is going to come through our economic structure or whatever? I don't know. That's something you need to look at. But this is how much he got. And the temple that he built... In today's money, it was worth three to five billion dollars. That's how much it cost him to build a temple. And he was worth, when he died, guess how much he's worth? One trillion dollars in today's money. One trillion dollars. That makes him the richest man ever, obviously, besides Jesus. Amen. But Musk, Mr. Musk, guess how much he's considered one of the richest men? He has 220 billion. So he had $1 trillion. Made him kind of a little a poor guy compared to, to Solomon. But this was not enough. His failure that broke the camel's back was and found in 1 Kings 11. Now, King Solomon loved many foreign women, along with the daughter of Pharaoh, Moabite, Ammonite, Edomite, Sidonians, the Hittite woman from the nation concerned, which the Lord has said to the sons of Israel. You shall not associate with them, nor shall they associate with you, for they will surely turn your heart away, turn away after their gods. And then it says, Solomon held fast to these in love. He loved his woman very much. Jesus is jealous over us. How many know Jesus is jealous over us? You guys are getting quiet. I mean, I know it's a lot of reading. Jesus is jealous over us, not for us. Jealousy of the Lord. It's not the same jealousy like he wants something from us. He's jealous over us to protect us, to give us, to strengthen us, to encourage us. His name is jealous. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. What happened? That whoever believes, but whoever Okay, you guys are a little, okay. For God so loved the world that he gave what? So God loved us, right? Amen, this is what he's saying here. So he's jealous over us. He had 700 wives. 
princesses and 300 concubines, and his wives turned away from God. For when Solomon was old, his wives turned his heart away after other gods, and his heart was not wholly devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David his father had been. Solomon did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and did not follow the Lord fully as David his father had done. How many know David had no idols in his heart? He made mistakes in his life, but he had no other gods in his heart. He was holy unto the Lord. Then Solomon built the high places of Chemosh, which was human sacrifice, the detestable idol of Moab, on the mountain which is east of Jerusalem, and Moloch, which is the child sacrifice, the detestable idol of the sons of Ammon. The, dis- the distraction is and always be what is written. Now the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart was turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice and had commanded him concerning these things that he should not go after other gods, but he did not observe what the Lord had commanded. Well, the rest is history. Let us learn from it and not repeat it. He makes mistakes. We make mistakes. Learn from them and do not repeat it. How many times? I mean, I, I'm here standing here this morning. I made sometimes mistake two, three, four, five, six times. That's why I got a lot of knots in my head. Okay? So, so we need to learn from the mistakes that we do. Ecclesiastics 1, verse 2. He ends his life with regret and remorse as he looks back on it, and he reflects and says, Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. A man that had everything in this world, wealth, fame, indulgences, sex beyond, sex beyond measure, and, and be completely empty at the end of his life. How could this be possible? I mean, have you ever heard of these people say from the movie stars in Hollywood and sometimes they commit suicide and they have this horrible, like, you would think like, geez, if I had their fame and I had their money, I wouldn't do something like that. How many has ever thought that? That's just bizarre, okay? So that just tells you you can have all of that and without Jesus is empty. Spiritual bankrupt. If the Lord does not build a house, it's all vanity. If you don't have the Lord in your life, you're building for nothing. If you want to read Psalms 127, it's a beautiful psalm to read. King Solomon gave us an admonishment in the very end, he says, in Ecclesiastic 12, 13 through 14. The conclusion, when all, all has been heard, is fear God, keep his commandments, because it applies to every person. For God will bring every act to judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. What hit me here, it applies to every person. If you don't know Jesus, or you do know Jesus, it applies across the board. It applies to all of us when you don't have God in your life. I would just like to take a few moments here so maybe we can end i'm not ending the service yet but i would like to take a little pit pit stop here a little bit and if today if you never received jesus as your lord and savior this is a good time to do it he had regrets we don't want to have regrets so today's a time that we learned that we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of god 
We all did something wrong in our life. And those who received Jesus, you know the story. But I always like to hear it again and again and again. It just refreshes me. I love to hear it, especially when God demonstrates his own love towards me. While I was a sinner, Christ died. And if you hear today that you heard about the Lord Jesus Christ, like even today, but you never really received him and told him to come into your heart, to become a child of God. God created all of us, but we're not all his children. Let me know what I'm saying here this morning. Amen? Until you receive him. And this morning, if you're here this morning, you have never received Christ in, in your life. Today is a good time to say, Lord, come into my life. Change me. Transform me. How many want their life to be transformed and to take stuff out of your heart, oh God, this morning? Amen? How many, how many, okay, all your hands are going up, but let me ask you this. How many of you has never really received Christ? Tell him to come and to walk with him. Is there anybody here that's like, I've never told him to come into my heart. I didn't quite totally get it. As I remember in 1983, I didn't quite understand that myself. I thought going to church and Christmas and Easter, that was good. We're good to go. I never touched the Bible or read it. But once I received Christ, I couldn't stop reading about our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? So we're going to conclude like this. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 29, and verse 33, 34, Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. How much more can Jesus do for you today? But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of his own. Talk to me, someone. Don't we get distracted when we lack something? The Lord's my shepherd, I shall. Is he sufficient? When he's sufficient, I don't have to go to, to do other things to make me sufficient. If it's a drink, if it's a, a girl, a drink and drugs, or whatever it may be. That God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. There's no doubt for 40 years that I served the Lord, most 41 years now, Sometimes I say, Lord, I don't know how you're going to get me out of this one. How many ever said that? I don't know how you're going to get me out of this one. Okay, but somehow, in his sovereignty, he does it. He does it. And today, if you have any, you've been distracted by some things in your life, today I can assure you, according to the word of God, the flower fades, the grass withers, God's word stands forever. And Lord, I understand that because I'm fading and I'm withering. You're laughing, but it's true. So that's a sign to me, that's a sign to me that my glory is fading. And I look at myself, I'm withering. There's withering away. Glory to God, hallelujah. Amen? That I'm going to see him face to face. I'm so excited that we stand on his word as true. His word endureth forever because this doesn't endure forever. 
Why am I getting distracted at this? So today we're going to take communion together. How many want to take some communion together? As a remembrance of what God did for us. And if you don't have uh, communion elements, ask one of the ushers here. But as we partake of this this morning, let it be said, let it be decreed and proclaimed this death until he returns. We decree it and proclaim this until he, his death until he comes back. Did you hear me? We're going to decree and proclaim this until he comes back. And that particular night he took it, and he was the Lamb of God. This was Passover. There was no lamb bone on that table that night. There was no lamb bone because he was the lamb to be slain. And he goes, this is my body, which is broken for you. Eat and partake. And then he took the cup. Then he took the cup and said, this is my blood, which I spilled for you for the new covenant. A new covenant that's going to put a new spirit and a new heart in us. Glory to God. He was the coming king. Solomon, David, all of them failed. But the coming king, the king eternal, invisible, invincible, the only true God, to him be the glory. And today we drink in Jesus' name.